Hey there. Thanks for joining us for the latest podcast from Resound Church. We really believe that together we are better, and our heart is to reach, send, nurture, and disciple people as they become all that God has intended them to be. You can subscribe to our content on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or head over to our website, resound.church forward slash app, to grab our app, which will keep you up to date with everything going on. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Morning, church. So as uh, yeah, Wayne said, I'm here to speak about discipline. Uh, when Wayne sent me an email uh, near the end of last year saying, you know, Mitch, you're going to be preaching on discipline on this date, I was like, cool, cool, cool. And I'm pretty sure Wayne has just given me this topic just so that I can speak for the next 20 minutes, half an hour, and tell you what not to do uh, based on my personal life experiences. Um, But no, I'm excited to share with you this morning um, about discipline. We'll have some fun, but I know God has laid a few things on my heart that I want to share. So we're just going to jump straight in. So we're going to focus just on one passage um, this morning, and there's going to be a couple other Bible verses that we're going to use to link it all together. So the passage is 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 to 27, and This is Paul, he's writing to the church in Corinth. And he says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. So we're going to focus on that. But before we do, I'm just going to quickly take a moment and I just want to um, pray and just give God the space right now. So God, I just want to pray right now for each and every single person sitting in their chairs, um, watching the live stream from wherever they might be, God. And, you know, whatever week that we've had, God, and however we've walked into this building or, or turned on that live stream, God, I pray that by the end of the service, if we haven't already, God, that we get a greater understanding of who you are in our lives, how much you love us, and the plan and purpose you have for our life. In your name, amen. Awesome. So as I was preparing for this message and um, thinking about discipline, what I want to say, how I want to say it, um, I was kind of reflecting on last year. And, you know, we had COVID and lockdown and all that kind of stuff that went on last year. Um, And I don't know if anyone else did this, but... um, when I got told that I was working from home, so I'm a teacher as well, and when I got told, you know, you've got to teach the kids from home and all that sort of stuff, I was like, awesome. I'm going to make the most of my, like, early mornings, I guess, because I don't have to travel for work. I can just, you know, rock up, jump on and Zoom, and it's all good to go. So I'm like, all right, I'll make the most of my mornings. I'll get up. I'll go for a walk. I'll go for a jog or whatever and be productive and energetic for the rest of the day. Uh, anyone want to guess how long that lasted? <laughs> Maybe two weeks at the absolute most. And then I was kind of done after that. And I don't know if anyone else did this. Um, basically, I would, the, the later lockdown went, the longer it lasted. 
um, the later I would get up out of bed. So basically, if my first Zoom call was at, you know, nine o'clock with the kids or whatever, I'm not getting out of bed until like 10 to nine, quickly putting on a shirt and just jumping in my study. Because it's like, why do I need a shower? The kids can't smell me through the computer. It's fine. Tori had to deal with that, unfortunately. But, you know... It is what it is. So that was something that was not the best in terms of discipline, but something else that wasn't great. I don't know if anyone else is like this as well, but I like snacking. Um, Who doesn't like snacking? And so that happened a lot last year as well because like, I like snacking when I'm watching a movie or whatever and when I'm at my desk. And so because I was doing that a lot, I was uh, snacking a lot. And so my go-to snack is salt and vinegar chips, okay? They're the best flavor, so if you disagree, just pipe down, all right? Um, But as I was doing that so much, I was snacking more and more, eating things that I shouldn't eat, and Tori made her displeasure to what I was doing quite evident, So basically what would happen is if I've got like my packet of chips, my little baby that I'm snacking on while I'm watching Netflix or something like that, um, what Tori would do is she'd come and sit down next to me and how she would uh, announce her displeasure to me, she wouldn't even use her words. That's how good that she was at doing this, okay? So first she'd look at me, she'd make eye contact with me, then she'd look down at the bag of chips as if to say like, why are you eating that? If you've got a snack on something, snack on some like veggie chips or some veggie sticks or something then she looks back at me she looks down at my stomach (laughs) as if to say sort yourself out you fat blob fair call gets worse then so at the moment she hasn't said anything she's just using her eyes to indicate what I'm doing is wrong she gets her finger she just starts poking (laughs) yeah yeah thank you and so she would have done this what, six times, ten times? More than once, basically. So I don't know if anyone else had to go through that, but the reason we're sitting over uh, this side of the church more than this side is actually we're going to just get some advice for some other marriage couples to work through some of the issues that lockdown and my lack of discipline apparently has caused. And, you know, even even though I joke about you know, discipline or not having any really over the past year, six months, it is still an important trait that we should have. It's a trait that, you know, we all know that we need because we know that we can't achieve long-term success without it. Whether it's in our personal lives, whether it's in the area of business or in relationships or whatever it might be, we know that we can't achieve long-term success without discipline. And so that's what I want to briefly touch on. And so the context of the word discipline um, in the Bible, it's mentioned about 100 or so times in a variety of different ways. And so the majority of the way that it's mentioned in the Bible is actually like disciplining children and training and correcting them um, and just raising them properly, essentially. So parents, if you didn't know that when you're disciplining um, your children, you're actually doing the work of the Lord. Um, So take that as you will. Um, But as you know, there are right and wrong ways to discipline um, children. Being a teacher, I've seen some right ways and some wrong ways as well. And basically what it comes to is why do we discipline children? Why do we attempt to correct their behavior, their attitudes, their thought process, whatever they're doing? If they're doing something wrong, why do we attempt to correct it? Well, hopefully the reason why we should correct or discipline someone 
is because we want to bring about a good outcome later down the track. The less uh, ideal outcome of why we discipline someone but still might do it anyway. For example, I'm a teacher and if my kids are making lots of noise, uh, I might discipline them in a wrong way that involves yelling at them, which is probably not the best outcome, but it keeps them quiet. So I don't know whether that's right or wrong. Just kidding, I know it's wrong and I shouldn't be doing it. But it is important to discipline our kids and each other. And the reason why we do it is because we want that long-term effect. You know, for example, if I've got a kid at my school, in my classroom, let's say, uh, let's give this kid a name. Let's say Wayne. <laughs> I don't know, just popped into my head. I don't know why. Just, so, yeah, not so sure about that. But anyway, let's just say that Wayne is not so good at sharing his toys. Okay, he's not good at sharing his um, Lego that he's brought to school or whatever it might be. And I see that as, you know, Wayne being in my classroom and I'm going to attempt to correct that behaviour. I might have a conversation with Wayne. I might give him another opportunity to um, correct that behaviour when he's playing with another kid in the classroom. I believe that God does the same thing with us as well. He sees us exactly as we are. He sees our character traits that are good and not so good. He sees our ability to share our toys or our ability to not share our toys. And I believe that in the same way that I correct that child or Wayne's behavior, God does the same thing with us. But the reason why I correct, you know, a kid's behavior in class, let's say they're not being generous or not sharing or whatever, and I want them to exhibit that trait. I want them to exhibit that trait because, you know, that's the right thing to do. We should be generous to others and, and everything like that. And, and God does that for us as well. But it's also because I know that that child is going to enjoy life more if they are generous. God does the same thing with us. In John 10, 10, Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life to the full. When God convicts us of something that we know that we shouldn't be doing, like whether we're being selfish or not being generous or whatever, God doesn't just do it because we're not acting a certain way. Now, we should obviously act the right way and, and be a good representation of Christ, but God also does it to us because he knows that we're going to enjoy life more because of it. If I have two kids and I've got one that's, you know, generous and looks out for their friends or all that sort of stuff, and then I've got one that's a lot more selfish and, you know, holds on to their Lego or whatever it might be, and we watch them through their life over the next 20, 30, 40 years, and you had to predict which one would enjoy life more, which one would um, be happier going through life, I'm sure that we could all say that um, the one that's generous would be the case. That's why God does what he does, why he disciplines us and why we discipline others as well, because we hope to bring about a good outcome that will change um, our behavior, their behavior, whatever it might be. And so that's an important thing to hold on to. And so if we just go back into the passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and we're going to pick it up in verse 25. And it says, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave. 
Now, first of all, that crown, um, that everlasting crown that we're striving to get, um, most of you will probably already know, but anyone that doesn't, is an everlasting relationship with God. And that's the goal. That's what we're striving for. But then the conversation or the question turns to, okay, that's the cool concept, but what does that look like on a day-to-day basis? How do I have that everlasting crown when, you know, I've got work full-time, I have family commitments, I've got um, uni, part-time jobs, all that sort of stuff. And I believe that Jesus has already identified and articulated what we're meant to do each and every single day. And there's a passage um, in which Jesus articulates it, and I love it. And the context of this passage, as soon as I start talking about it, some of you already know it, is that the Pharisees, religious leaders of Jesus' day, were attempting to ask him a question in order to trap him. And the question was, what is the greatest commandment um, that they should follow, essentially? The reason why I love this passage of Scripture is because that was a question that was put to Jesus thousands of years ago. It was a question that was designed to trap and, and, and basically a question that had no answer, that he couldn't answer and he had to fumble his way through it. Jesus answered it in such a way that not only left the religious leaders and interpreters of the law 2,000 years ago completely stunned, but gave us a blueprint for how to live life here and now. And I've had discussions with people, Christians, non-Christians over the years, and for me, I always come back to this passage For me, it's simple, it's applicable, it's a way for how to live life. So that passage is Matthew 22, verse 37 to 39. Jesus replied, so he's replying to the question, and he says, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. Notice that both these statements are equally important. When Jesus gives this answer, he doesn't say, okay, you've got to have your relationship with me first. And then, you know, a bit further down the track, once that's sorted, then you can start loving people. That they, what Jesus is saying is that they should occur simultaneously. That as much as you're loving God, having a relationship with him, you should be doing it with people around you. The, the, the way that I explain it to people, or even the illustration that helps remind me of it, is if you think of a cross, um, it's got two beams. You know, one's vertical, one's horizontal. That's the way that our relationship should be. We should have an upwards relationship to God, and that should go back and forth as well. But our relationship should be vertical as well. They should be outwards to our friends, to our family, to people in our workplace as well. But what that scripture doesn't say is it doesn't say love your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your mind only on a Sunday morning or love your neighbor as yourself only when you've had your morning coffee and are ready to face the day. As much as some of us would like it to say that, I'm sure. These are two statements that we need to live out each and every single day, regardless of how we feel, regardless of what's happening in our lives, regardless of how busy we might be or the stress that might be on our lives. 
Because if you need any evidence that all you need to do is those two things in order, make, in order to make a difference to the people around you, in your family, in your workplace, then I want you to go and read the book of Acts. The book of Acts is how the first church or the early church first started, how they grew, how they exploded, everything like that. What the first church didn't have was they had no money, they had no buildings, they had no political influence, and yet they turned the world upside down. And yet the reason that you and I can sit here and have a relationship with God and know all about him is because of the sacrifice that these early disciples, early apostles made in the book of Acts. They had no money, no building. They simply had a desire to make God known and a simple desire to love others and simply disregarded anything else that didn't fit with that agenda. That they submitted themselves to God and submitted themselves to others in order to be disciplined by them and to be disciplined by others. And our desire should be to emulate those same traits each and every single day. Our desire should be to love others regardless of how we feel, regardless of whether we've had a stressful day of work. Our desire should be to spend time with God, no matter how we feel, whether we're tired or, or, or stretched thin or whatever it might be. That we should allow ourselves to be disciplined by God in order to correct behavior, attitudes, thought process, whatever it might be. But in order to be disciplined by God, in order for you to let God discipline you and address certain areas of your life, you need to be first be willing to submit to him. You need to be willing to submit to him first. You know, I have um, Wayne keep me accountable on a whole range of different things. But the only reason that Wayne is able to keep me accountable for those things is because I submit to Wayne's authority and say, Wayne, I've got all these things that I need to address. Can you keep me accountable for them and call me out when I don't address those issues? In order for God to do the same thing in your life, you have to be willing to submit to him and let go of your pride and be willing to understand that, okay, yeah, that's an area of my life I need to address, or that's an area I need to fix, that's an area I need to sort out or change. But you have to be willing to submit to God first. Now, what all of us already know is that being disciplined or having the habit of discipline, self-discipline, um, is easier said than done. Like, I could go to the gym three times a week. I could eat KFC three times a week. I know what I would prefer to do. I would prefer to eat KFC rather than go to the gym. Now, the reason why I would choose that, well, it's KFC. There's not much that I'm not going to choose over KFC, to be fair. So if you ever do want to show your appreciation to me, I'm just... Jump on your phone, Uber Eats, Zinger Box, straight to my house, no complaints whatsoever. You'll get complaints from Tori for me eating that, but I will just be, oh, I'll be quite happy. But the reason, why would I do that though? Because I know that the gym is better for me, it's healthier, you know, all that sort of stuff, but why would I choose the KFC? It's obviously, you know, convenience, don't have to cook or, or do anything like that for dinner-wise. 
But it's also that instant gratification, you know, munching on the burger and the chips and everything like that. As I was researching, as I was looking into discipline, that is actually one of the biggest or if not the biggest deterrents to anyone being disciplined in an area of our lives. It's because we get that immediate sense of satisfaction. We're just like, oh, I'll just keep doing it, I'll keep doing it. And that's why it's so easy for us to get um, addicted to things like, you know, sugar. And I'm sure each and every single one of us knows sugar, we shouldn't eat too much of it and everything like that. But when there's, you know, a bowl of lollies right there or a bag of salt and vinegar chips, it's going to get consumed pretty quickly. But we get into the habit quickly, quickly, and we just keep doing it over and over and over. So then the question becomes, how do we break that habit? How do we become disciplined in the areas of life that we know God is calling us to be disciplined in? Whether it's reading your Bible more, whether it's spending more time with your kids every day after work. What's interesting is when you think about the goals that you might want to set or the areas that God's convicting you of, most of them start with an emotional decision. Like if you know, you want to spend more time with your kids after work. That's actually an emotional decision. And that's good because, you know, you love your kids. You've got a close connection and close relationship with them. You want to continue and foster that. Same thing with reading your Bible each day. You want to continue to do that because of the relationship with God that you already have. The issue arises with discipline is where we continue to make emotional decisions after we've already committed to that goal. So, for example, if, you know, I, I, you know, you want to spend time with your kids every day after work, just because you've set that goal or you want to introduce that discipline and that habit into your life, doesn't mean that all of a sudden work gets any less stressful. Doesn't mean that all of a sudden you suddenly start getting along with all your co- co-workers really well. Doesn't mean all of a sudden that everything starts running perfectly. Things are still going to go wrong. You're still going to feel stressed after work and everything like that. And so what you need to do when you're driving home and about to go and spend time with your kids, and obviously this is just an analogy, but what you need to do is pull the emotion out of what you're thinking and say, okay, I made a commitment. I'm going to follow it through. I made a commitment to read my Bible at six in the morning. So yeah, I'm tired, but I'm going to do it anyway because I know the long-term benefits overweigh the short term of me sleeping for an extra 15 minutes before my alarm goes off anyway. Are you willing to be disciplined for what God is asking you to do? It's a simple question and it's a simple answer, but the difficulty arises in whether we're willing to applicate those things in our lives or not, whether we're willing to apply those things in our lives or not. And so we also need to understand too as well, if the band can jump back up, is that you know when we start um, a new habit, a new discipline or whatever, we assume that it's just going to continue in an upwards trajectory trajectory but that's not always the case uh anyone started a gym membership early jan anyone brave enough to put their hand up anyone continued that gym membership two weeks after january is a more important question and so we have um you know we can joke about that but that's actually what happens people will start a habit people will start a discipline of you know going to the gym or um, reading the bible and what happens for the first couple of days they're excited it's a new passion it's a new goal they're like yes i'm running after this i'm excited but then you know life gets in the way stuff happens 
and that starts to become less and less important. They miss a few days of Bible reading, a few days of playing with their kids and like, oh yeah, I'll start it back up when I get less busy, when work's less stressful, when I've got more time during the day. And eventually that habit, that habit gets disregarded altogether and then they forget about it completely. And I just want to take a moment and maybe as I've been speaking about discipline, maybe something has been resonating within you. Maybe there's been something that you're like, oh yeah, I know I actually need to address that area in my life. I know, yeah, that that habit I've been doing, like I need to get rid of that. Maybe God's speaking to you right now about something that you need to address, something that you need to fix, that you need to change, that you need to sort out. And maybe if He's not saying those things to you, then my question would be, are you submitted to God? Are you in submission to Him? Are you in relationship with Him? And maybe you might have been the kind of person that's like, yeah, I want to do Bible reading every day. And you might have been similar to that gym story. You might have done it for a week, two weeks, maybe even a month, and then it falls to the side. Then you start it up again, and then it falls to the side again. And you just feel like whatever you try, you just can't make that habit. You just can't make that discipline stick. And so I just want to read a passage of Scripture right now. It's something that's given me a lot of confidence over the years and something that I hold on to. It's 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. And it says, For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Which means that whether you see yourself as the most disciplined person in the world and can put your mind to anything, or you're the other end of the spectrum and feel like anything you set out to achieve doesn't work doesn't matter where you fall on that spectrum because regardless God has placed self-discipline within you so then you just need to walk in the confidence of that self-discipline and say yes that's what I'm going to do that's what I'm going to commit to doing no matter how many times I stuff up no many how many times I make a mistake I'm going to keep pushing I'm going to keep persevering keep disciplining myself regardless because you need to walk in the confidence of that because the Bible verse I just read doesn't say, oh, maybe I might give you the spirit of self-discipline if you pray really hard. It's already inside of you. You need to walk in the confidence that God wants you to walk in and the confidence that He has given you. For God has not given you a spirit of fear which means He has not given you self-doubt or anxiousness or disappointment about not achieving a goal, but He has given you the power to be disciplined, to love God, to love others, to make a difference. What's the point of Christianity if we just day to day, nothing changes? We just come here once a week, sing some songs, hear a message and go home. The goal of being in a relationship with Christ in submission to Christ is to be disciplined by Him so that we can change others around us. No point carrying a gospel if it just stays here and doesn't go anywhere. Church, would you just stand with me as I pray? God, I just want to pray right now for every single person sitting in their seat, anyone watching the live stream right now, And I pray right now for each and every single one of us, myself included, 
that right now, God, you would be speaking to us. That there would be areas of our lives that we need to address, that we need to reconfigure, that we need to sort out. And that as you're doing that right now, God, that you would fill us with the confidence that we can walk in, that we can discipline ourselves to get through that struggle. To be more disciplined, to read the Bible more, to be more generous in our workplace. And I pray, God, that even as we go into this week, that that we would walk in the confidence that you have given us and the assurance to love you and to love others. In your name, amen. Hey, what a great message. Thanks for joining us here at Resound Church. We pray that you've been encouraged through the message and that you've grown just a little bit closer to God. While you're online, why don't you head over and give us a like on Facebook or Instagram or check out our website at resound.church. You can subscribe to our content on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or head over to our website resound.church forward slash app to grab our app, which will keep you up to date with everything going on. Well, don't forget next week, there'll be another amazing podcast here to listen to from Resound Church. We hope you join us then.